Hey, I want to talk to you this morning for the remaining minutes that we have here today about the power of a family, the power of a family. There are many things that shape our lives, our values and our traditions, but nothing more influential than a family. And whatever else may be said about the home, it is the single most influential force in our earthly existence. Uh, two brothers who grew up, one became a very successful businessman. One became a homeless alcoholic. When both were asked, what was the contributing factor for the direction of their life? Both said, my father. You see, each had an influence the same influence, but one chose to allow that influence to shape them for the good. The other chose to allow them to shape it for the bad. Every single one of us have influences in our life and we're not all able to determine or uh, to decide what those influences are going to be. Some things are, you know, you, you don't necessarily pick your family when you're born, but you have a choice on how you allow it to influence you. And I think our world downplays the value of the home. In fact, there are many organizations that are very alive and active today that are working desperately to try to destroy the home, the nuclear family, the mom, dad, and children, and to make you dependent upon them or dependent upon the government. But the world that our children face each day has changed from the world of yesterday. Kids in the 30s grew up during the Depression when times were hard and everybody had to work and the dollar was a lot of money. Kids in the 40s grew up with uh, World War II, Frank Sinatra, and Bogey and Bacall. Kids in the 50s grew up with black and white television, I Like Ike, Hula Hoops, and a kid from Tupelo, Mississippi named Elvis Presley. Kids in the 60s grew up with the Beatles, LSD, Assassinations, The Summer of Love, Vietnam, Violence in the Streets. Kids in the 70s grew up with Charlie's Angels, Disco, Happy Days, MASH, Saturday Night Fever, and the Doobie Brothers. Uh, kids in the 80s grew up with crack cocaine, AIDS, MTV, Pee Wee Herman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, N Nintendo, and Nightmare on Elm Street. Kids in the 90s grew up with The Simpsons, Friends, Seinfeld, Michael Jordan, the goat, uh, rap music, Nirvana. And kids in the aughts, they grew up with 9-11, The War on Terror, American Idol, Harry Potter, South Park, MySpace, Facebook, and Hannah Montana. My, how she's changed. Uh, kids in the teens are growing up with Lady Gaga, Drake, iPhones, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, sexting, gay marriage, and gender dysphoria. Our kids know more, they see more, and they experience more, uh, and they grow up faster than generations did in the past. However, at the same time, their adolescence lasts so much longer. It's just a confusing, crazy time. But against these words and these things as reality, as the backdrop for our life, Dr. James Dobson's quote really strikes home. He said, we must make the salvation of our children our number one priority. Nothing else is more important. Can I get an amen? The salvation of our children, nothing else is more important. And I'm going to be talking more about that next week as we focus on saving our children. You don't want to miss that. But I want to take a moment because regardless of what your family looks like, whether it's a mom and a dad or a mom and a stepdad or a stepmom and a dad, or whether it's a single parent or uh, whether you're on your own and you're single and a young adult, uh, whether you've moved here from some other state and you have no 
blood relatives in this place. Every single one of us find family somewhere, whether it's in our blood relatives or whether it's in a church group or a young adult group or a youth group or whether it's uh, from a a community organization or a civic organization uh, or a gang. People find family. We find people to do life with. And Joshua, the successor of Moses, and we're going to get to Joshua chapter 24 in just a moment, but Joshua understood the power of parents as he came to the end of his life. And at the end of his life, He called the leaders of Israel together and he challenged them to remember where they had come from and he challenged them as well to live for him in the future. But in the middle of that message in Joshua chapter 24, these powerful words that have been quoted and memorized and you've heard for some, I mean, they've they've been in existence for 3000 years. These words come right in the middle of his message to the leaders of Israel. Joshua 24, verse number 15. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He he challenged them to remember where they came from and to live for him in the future because he's on his deathbed. Joshua is about to take a step into death. He calls the leaders. He said, remember where you came from. Serve God in the future. Me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And in that chapter, there are five decisions that we have to make if we want our families to serve the Lord with us. Five decisions, and every single one of us have a part in it, regardless of whether you're the parent or you're the child, regardless of whether you're the spouse or just the friend. Every one of us have a part in influencing our circle of friends, the people that we call family, by these five decisions. And the first decision is this, to teach your family that we owe everything to God. Everything we have has come from God. Joshua recounts the story of the the journey of the children of Israel into the promised land and all of the uh, armies that they defeated. And he reminds them of what the Lord has done for them. In verse number 11, Joshua 24, 11, it says this, you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho and the leaders of Jericho fought against you. And also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, Jebusites. And he said, I gave them into your hand. I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored, cities that you had not built and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. What was Joshua doing? He was reminding the people of Israel that everything they have, they owe to God because God is the one who brought them there. God is the one who blessed them because what happens is when we start having victory after victory and it happened with the children of Israel, it can happen with us, whether it's accomplishments at school, whether it's accomplishments at work, accomplishments as a church, we start thinking, wow, look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. And we start taking our dependency off of God. And what Josh was doing is saying, remember, we owe everything to God. Freedom Church, we owe everything to God. Everything that we've got here, everything that God has blessed us with, we owe everything to God. Everything that I've ever accomplished in my life, I owe everything to God. That should be our mantra. That should be our attitude each and every day. Not look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. Look how smart I am. Look how gifted I am. No, no, no. I owe everything to God. 
Because I wouldn't be here if it weren't for God. You wouldn't be here if it weren't for God. And that's what Joshua was telling the people. And we as parents or influencers in our family, we need to teach one another and teach our children. We need to say, hey, you know, remember when you were sick and we prayed for you and God healed you? We owe thanks to God. Remember when daddy lost his job and, and we prayed and God provided a better job? We owe everything to God. Remember when we prayed for your uncle and your aunt to get saved and, and six months later they came to church and they got saved and now they're in the family of God? We owe everything to God. We need to talk about that kind of thing often. We need to remind our families, remind one another, everything is all because of God. Write it down. Talk about it often. Decision number two, you got to teach your family to fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Now, we use that word fear as like, you know, trembling in fear. But this, this word means holy respect, awe and reverence. It means an innermost uh, reverence for something. So what are some of the things in your home that there is an innermost reverence for? Because I know every home is a little bit different, but some of you just have things that you have developed a reverence for in your home. It may be grandma's china, you know, and if your kids go near that china cabinet with a ball, you know, you come out with a big wooden spoon, get ready to beat somebody. Well, we, we put fear in kids for different reasons. I mean, it may be dad's gun safe, or it may be dad's garage workspace. It could be a mom's jewelry or mom's makeup or mom's clothes. Don't you dare go in there and touch my stuff. We, we have created a reverence for certain things, right? Well, as people of God, we have to create a reverence for the fear of God, a reverence for God, a reverence for him. But this is, it's really more caught than it is taught. It's really more of an atmosphere than it is a program. But I'm going to tell you, there's at least three things that we could do real easily to help create reverence in our homes. And one is through prayer. Prayer. I mean, let's just be honest. Let's be, let's be honest. And this isn't trying to shame anybody and talking about anybody. I don't know what your prayer habits are, but I know how prayer the reverence for prayer has disintegrated through time. Simple prayer from praying over your food. I mean, there's, I can remember coming back from deer hunting one time. I'm in a little town in East Texas. I stopped to grab some breakfast and this family, I've told you this story before, a family of about 20 had gathered. And it was real clear who the mama and the papa, the grandfather and the grandmother were. They were all dressed in camo. And it's a small little cafe, and there were only probably about five parties in there. And I'm sitting there by myself, grabbing something to eat on my way back home. And there were, there were uh, mom and dad, and there were at least two sons and two daughters, their spouses, and about eight grandchildren. And they're all gathered around the, uh, the table. And when their food came, the grandfather took his hat off. That's all he did. He didn't say anything. He just took his hat off, and then the whole table, like, Hats, two, two hats, just one after the other falling off. He starts praying, and I watch this other couple who's sitting on the other side of the restaurant. Again, not a large little restaurant. She punches her husband, and he takes his hat off. And I'm looking, I'm thinking, you're, you're not even... There was a reverence that this family created by an atmosphere. And that granddaddy just started praying over the food. And it's like the whole restaurant just kind of, yes, yep, 
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You can create a reverence like that if you want to. It's, a, it's, it's whether you're willing to or not. And you can say, Pastor, man, that ship's already sailed. We've already blown it. Then bring that ship back to dock and tell your family, say, listen, I have blown it. I have not given reverence to prayer in our home. But from this day forward, everything's changing. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You can do that today. Prayer, reading the word is another way. Just taking time to read the word. It doesn't have to be long, but you could realize that this is God's active living word. It has something to say to us today about our lives. And if you stop and say, hey, put down your phones for a minute, we're going to see what God has to say to us today. This isn't just a book of devotions. This is God's word to us. You stop, stop and take time and stop everything else that's going on. Say, we're going to read and see what God has to say to us today. You know what the other thing? Prayer, reading God's word. God's house, creating a reverence for God's house. Look, we don't show up here today just because we don't have anything else to do on a Sunday morning. Everybody's got things you could be doing, but nothing any better than being in God's house. When we create a reverence for his house, we come here, whether we feel like it or not, we come here, whether we're busy or not, we're come here, whether we, you know, we're getting along with everybody or not, we come here because this is God's house and we reverence God's house. We're not going to forsake coming together and we're going to worship him. We're going to feel his presence and we're going to experience things in his house that we couldn't experience otherwise. So you create a reverence. Now, listen, I'm not saying that we got to, you know, dress a certain way or you can't carry your coffee in. You can, but it's all about an attitude. You can have coffee and still be reverent. You're going to take that hat off or what? You're going to leave it on? Oh, yeah, yeah. The fact is, there are a lot of things that we've done that some traditions that have changed, like wearing a hat in-house. I don't care if you've got a hat on. You know whether you're being disrespectful or not. It's all about an attitude. You say, oh, I just like my hat. Well, that's fine. I don't care. Wear a hat. LA's got a hat on up here sometimes. I don't know if he does today or not. It doesn't matter to me. It's about an attitude. And it's about a reverence. We do certain things that create reverence or not. And I'm telling you, if we're going to have families that serve the Lord, then we choose to serve him. We make a decision. We're going to teach our family to fear the Lord. Here's the third thing. Let me move on. Musicians, y'all start coming back. Decision number three, you got to teach family to serve the Lord. Joshua 24, 14 says this. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. That word serve is used in various forms six different times in two verses. So obviously it's on Joshua's mind. Serve the Lord. I can remember when my father was uh, just his last couple of days on this earth. He gathered our whole family together around his bed and he began to challenge each one of us to serve the Lord, serve the Lord, serve the Lord. Here's Joshua and his deathbed and he's saying, serve the Lord, but he clarifies it. Serve the Lord with all faithfulness. In other words, he's saying every heir of your life needs to be faithful to the Lord. I mean, there's an old song we used to sing, Jesus be the Lord of all, the kingdoms of my heart. 
meaning every kingdom. I mean, I can't have a separation of, well, Sunday's just for the Lord, but you know, Monday I'm going to do what I want and Friday night I'm going to do something completely different. No, every day serve the Lord. Every day be faithful to him. Men, especially you, be a man of God, not just on Sunday, be a man of God on Monday, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, be a man of God. Serve the Lord. Teach your family to serve the Lord. But remember this, our reward for serving the Lord is not here on this earth. Some of us think our reward is here and you want to pat on the back here. I mean, thank you for coming to church, but you know what? We shouldn't come to church to get a pat on the back. Our reward is in heaven. Hebrews chapter 11 tells the story of many people who live by faith. And many of them, it says, experienced and received what was promised to them. But many of them, you get down to the bottom of the chapter of Hebrews 11, and many of them, it says, continue to live by faith, but never received what was promised. It says many of them were killed. They were flogged. They were beaten. They were fed to the lions. Some were sawn in two with wooden saws. But it says the world was not worthy of them. Because this world is not where we get our credit. Heaven is where we get our credit. We don't live for him looking for credit here on this earth. We don't look for praise here on this earth. I look for praise in heaven. I look for credit in heaven. If you get discouraged and tempted to wonder if it really pays to serve the Lord, then just remember when we get home, it'll be worth it all. It'll be worth it all when we get home. Amen. All right, here's decision number four, and I got to hurry up. Teach your family your spiritual heritage. Remember where your blessings have come from. Some of you may be first generation Christians. In fact, by the show of hands that didn't know the song Living by Faith, most of you are probably still heathens, okay? Just telling you right now. No, it's just you may be a first generation Christian. Maybe you're a second generation Christian, maybe a third generation Christian. But you need to know your spiritual heritage. You need to know where you've come from. Tell your children about it. Tell your spouse about it. Talk about where you've come from. Because look at this in Joshua 24, 15. Here's what Joshua said. He said, if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, remember this is after him saying, choose the Lord. Choose to serve him. It's for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. He said, listen, if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, well, choose this day whom you'll serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Joshua is actually offering them options. This is kind of crazy. He's saying, listen, if you want to serve my God, fine. If you want to go back and serve the God of your fathers, you can do that. If you want to go back and serve the God of the moon and the God of the sun and the God of the rain, you can do that. Or you can serve the God of the Amorites. You can do that. This is the beauty about biblical Christianity is that we don't have to try to coerce people into serving God. You can put Jesus up against everybody and it is no match. You can put Jesus up against Buddha. You can put him up against Muhammad. You can put him against Mother Earth. You can put him up against the God that's inside yourself. You know, and there is no match because one of these days, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. 
We don't have to be worried about what if they, our kids go to school and they hear about Buddha, they hear about Muhammad. Well, they're going to hear, hopefully, from you about Jesus, and there will be no match. If we've done our part, it's real easy to see the difference. I know where my family came from. I've heard my mom tell the story many times. And I think about the, the poverty, how lost our family was. I mean, I'm blessed to have parents that serve the Lord. My mom tells me about when her parents did not serve the Lord. My father told me about when his father and mother didn't serve the Lord. I've told you this before. My mom and my dad both accepted Christ as kids before their parents were serving the Lord. I know where they came from. I don't want to go back to the gods of my fathers, the gods of my grandfathers. I like the Jesus way. It's a better way. But I know where they came from. I know my spiritual heritage and I'm grateful for where I've come from. And then that leads me to decision number five that all of us have to make. Choose daily to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. One of the most famous statements in the Bible. And I think in these simple words, we see the will of God. And that is that you should serve the Lord and you should do everything in your power to make sure your family serves the Lord. Joshua doesn't say me without my house. And he doesn't say my house without me. He says, as for me and my house. And that should be our mindset. You know what? I'm going to heaven. I'm going to make sure I'm right. But I'm making sure my family's going with me. And I want to make sure that you are right. And I want to make sure your family's going with you. We have to realize that there's no room for mediocrity, no room for neutrality, no room for one foot in, one foot out. It's time to say yes today. It's time to say yes to Jesus. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now listen, I believe, I believe in, in a physician. And if I got needs, I'll call Dr. Isaac and I'll say, I need some help. And he will guide me back to help. There have been times I've called Mark McClellan. I need some legal advice. And Mark will lead me. I'll trust his counsel for legal advice. I, every other week, my check gets deposited into the bank. I trust them to take care of my money. But when it comes to my soul... I don't trust my doctor. I don't trust my lawyer. I don't trust my banker. I trust in Jesus because he's the one who saved me from my sin. So when it comes to my soul, I'm going to trust in Jesus. I'm going to choose to follow him. And that's got to be your choice as well.